This is the Sell My Business in 10 Weeks.com podcast with Trevor Monaghan and Clive Jones. In this series, we will make fun of each other and share some of our self proclaimed wisdom about understanding what your business is worth now, how to make it worth more, and how to get it ready for sale. Welcome back to the Sell My Business in 10 Weeks.com podcast. I'm Trevor Monaghan. I'm a chartered accountant and I own a, a chartered accounting firm called Climax Business Strategies. And with me is Clive Jones, business coach with the world's number one business coaching firm, Action Coach. Is, how is that rated or ranked? Who does that? Size. <laughs> it's like the world's most bloated business coaching organization. We, we, we're in uh, over 30 countries and there's over a thousand of us working together to help small business, Trevor. So that's how it's rated. I guess, yeah. What's that saying? You know, um, billion Chinese can't be wrong or something. Something like that. that many customers, you must be doing something That's well. Right, we anyway, um, so if this is your first podcast, welcome to the, the small, Sell My Business, Smell My Business, Sell My Business in 10weeks.com podcast. <laughs> um, just found a new tagline for my business, Smell My Business. Um, and we've done this podcast because we're both professionals that work in and around uh, buying and selling businesses quite a bit. We've got clients on both sides of the fence there from time to time. And we're really frustrated uh, all the time by people that don't show a lot of foresight in getting their business ready for sale. So, you know, the typical scenario, which we always talk about, is someone, you know, they've had the business 20 to 30 years, it's been their superannuation, so they think, you know, they haven't actually been putting money in super because their so, business... So they hope. Yeah, so they hope that, they, you know, their retirement is the funds on selling the business. Uh, they finally get had enough at work, you know, maybe a lot, you know, something bad's happened at work or at home and they just, they've had enough. They go and uh, hand their keys into a business broker who simply lists the business. All of a sudden somebody gets sick. Yeah, you know, something happens and we go to list the business, you know, or the business broker goes to list the business and... Um, where do I start? Yeah, where do you start? And, and effectively it never ends well when the first, when the starting point is listing the business. But sadly, you know, that's still today what most people do. Um, although a lot of people don't even do that. A lot of people will just shut it down, not knowing mm. there is actually a so pot of gold there for someone else. Some, uh, yeah, value in that. Uh, so just quickly, uh, if you're not there already, you should be going to sellmybusinessin10weeks.com and subscribing on the right. Uh, for that, you'll get notifications when we release new things. You'll get my free uh, business valuation report, which you can download, which is an, a real version of a, of a paid valuation report I've done for someone else. So you can see you know, you know what I'm talking about when I, when I talk about valuing a business. And Clive, you're, you've got a giveaway there as well. My giveaway is uh, the nine clues to turbocharging your business systematically and some simple steps to take to uh, make it easy for you. Okay, so the context of all this again is, this is aimed at the layperson. You don't need to be an accountant, business coach or a business valuer to understand what we're talking about today. So you know, today I'm gonna to be talking specifically about what makes a business worth something. And this is the kind of concept we're gonna be coming back to over and over and over again because uh, even someone like myself who, who values businesses pretty much every day of the week, I still have to remind myself uh, what is something, you know, what gives something worth? It's not, and it's not just about, it's certainly not just about going and finding a benchmark and multiplying two numbers together to work out what your business is worth. It's about fundamentally understanding is what is the benefit that your business would provide to someone else, uh, initially financially and also strategically. Does that sound fair? Yep, and I think uh, my role today, Trevor, is to make sure you talk English. 
Yeah, well, it's the only language I know, although I know what you're saying. Um, it's from time to time I can get... Uh, because I do these things all the time, it's easy for me to you know, rattle off some jargon uh, or do some you know, some shortcuts. So Clive's job is to make sure that if, uh, for all you non-accountants out there, um, he's going to ask the questions that are probably going in your head as I raise things that probably aren't the most, you know... They're the, probably going through my head as well. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and we're not... We're not here to say that we know everything. We'll be clear about that. You know, we know a fair bit of stuff, more than the average person, for sure. Um, but even then, you know, if you've got feedback for us, if you think that our listeners might want to hear a different opinion on something or you might want to challenge something we've said, by all means, comment on the uh, the blog post on sellmybusiness10weeks.com or on Facebook or send us an email. And or, and or ask us a question as well. Don't just yeah. leave us comments. Yeah, if you want to find out something that can add value to future podcasts. Yep, okay, so what what makes something worth something? Um, the example I heard the other day was a good one, is um, the worth of something is all about perception. It's all about someone else's perspective. Um, the example that I, I heard, which I thought was really easy, is it's a, a set of reading glasses. So if you're Mr. Smith um, and you had a prescription for some reading glasses and you had those glasses made, so the, you, know, you could look at the facts of the glasses, you know, they're 200 grams, they've got two um, lenses in them with a certain prescription, they've got, you know, a certain type of frame in, in a certain colour, they're in a certain condition. Now, the problem is with, with the way that most people would value business, they'd just be looking at those facts and then valuing a business from, that, from those facts. But what if uh, it's Mr Jones that wants to potentially buy these glasses? What are they worth to him? What if he's well, got they're, a, they're no good to me, so I don't want to pay for them. Exactly. So just because someone's paid for them, and just because they have been, uh, they do have certain characteristics that may make them valuable, like they allow Mr. Smith to see, and certainly they're the highest quality frames you can get, or whatever. To Mr. Jones, who's got a different prescription, they're worth absolutely nothing. Well, but then again, they could, because I might like the frame, and I could say, well, okay, I'm prepared to pay part part of the fee and uh, go and get some new lenses. Okay, so. What we're talking about here is it's all about, it's not about you. And I know I say this to, to my clients a lot um, where I'm consulting with them. It's, you know, especially when we talk about marketing, it's not about you. Mm. It's about your customer. That's right. Um, two people care about you, you and mm. your mother. That's it. If you're lucky. <laughs> Some people are probably not even their mother. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to start looking at these things from the other, other side. So you start getting into a concept of what is, what is worth. Well, worth is what, you know, what a, you know, the, the definition is, you know, what a, what a, a knowledgeable and willing but not anxious anxious seller and a knowledgeable and willing but not anxious buyer would agree, you know, on any given day to, you know, to... It's what somebody else is prepared to pay for what you've got. Yeah. So if you think about it, there's two people in a room. One person wants to sell but not that badly. One person wants to buy but not that badly. The buyer's got some, you know, he's got money so there's no limitations there and it's about, you know, there will be a, a happy medium where, the, you know, hopefully where they reach a point where something sells mm-hmm. at a certain price. And we call that fair market value. Mm-hmm. Um, in in selling a business, uh, or sorry, in valuing a business or in valuing anything, it's very hard to um, know what that fair market value is without actually having gone through the sale process. Um, obviously, for a publicly listed company, it's much easier because you go to the stock market, and mm-hmm. if as long as it's in the sort of the top five hundred in Australia, um, you know, you're going to be fairly heavily traded every day, every single day. So there is a good indication you can see what the fair market value is, or at least what you know all the recent buyers and sellers have thought the fair market value yep. is. But when we're talking about small businesses here, which is... is you just highlighted a point there, Trevor. It changes every day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, and I'll talk about why that is. I'll talk about what the theory is behind what makes a business worth something. Um, 
you know, but at the end of the day, you're talking about a small business here, small or medium business. We're not talking about publicly listed businesses because uh, their valuations are effectively done by the market. Um, here, we're trying to put ourselves in the shoes of a likely buyer and, and try to anticipate or preempt what a likely buyer might pay for this business, which, you know, sounds fair. So the problems arise where what happens if there's never going to be a buyer? And so I've been doing a bit of work lately around in and around family law, so divorces. Mm-hmm. What happens if, okay, Clive, you and your wife decide to part ways? Hopefully that's not the true, not true. Um, anything you need to tell us? No? no, no Everything's no. good on the home front? No, all good there. Okay, so let's pretend that something was going not so good. Um, and your wife looked at your business and thought, geez, that's making some money. Um, I'm going to do okay out of this divorce. Um, then Clive comes up and says, well, it's valued under fair market value. Um, and he's able to show that there is no market for his business. So then we've got really two different concepts here. That's right. There's, yeah. there's value in use and there's value you know, mm. for sale, yeah. which can be quite different because Clive might be making a tidy sum of, of profit every year, but what he's got, no one might want for some other reason, maybe because it relies on Clive too much. Or it, It's, yeah, let's say my business is all about me. Yep. Again, one of those owners that think it's all about mm, them. That's it. That's yeah. who I was talking about right there. Um, so you've, you've got these things. So in, in the divorce, you know, in the law courts in Australia, um, if there isn't an evident sort of liquid market for the business, they'll go back to value to owner, mm. um, which is basically working out what is that business worth to that person. And that's not just financial because that's if Clive couldn't get a job, okay, and, and say it was only making sort of a small amount of money, say it was making you know, an average wage, if Clive um, wasn't able to get a job for some reason, he was unemployable, that business is worth a lot more to him than what it would be to someone else mm-hmm. who might be looking at just a pure you know, return on investment. That's right. So you've got this, all these concepts going into it. So you've really got to ask yourself before you value a business, what are you valuing it for? Are you, are you valuing it to know what it's worth to you? Are you valuing it to estimate what it might be worth in the market? And in the context of today, we're talking about you know effectively selling your business. So we're talking about well, what about where two directors are separating? Exactly. So you've got to think about what is your methodology. What is your what is the whole conceptual way we're going to value it? So if you've got two two directors, um, if you don't have an agreement, there's probably an assumption that it's market price, which is the same thing as saying fair market value. And so you're, you're preempting what a buyer might pay for the thing. Yeah. Okay, as opposed to working out what it's worth to you. So we have to put ourselves in the shoes of potential buyer. So because this podcast is all about selling and, and therefore buying businesses, we have, we're going to just talk here about what the, the fair market value to a potential buyer might be. But just, just know that's not going to work um, all the time in all cases, especially in things like divorces. Mm-hmm. Okay, so who's going to buy a business? Really important question. Um, you know. We haven't really gone deep on this. We're not going to cover too much on this episode. But you know, you need to think about who is going to buy your business. Is it going to be an employee? Is it going to be um, a competitor? Is it going to be someone that's got a synergy? So they might be you know, a supplier or a customer of yours. Is it going to be uh, a national sort of or an international company that's buying you because they've got a niche in a certain location or in a certain product? Is it going to be some kind of hedge fund or some kind of investors group that are, they don't give a damn about your widgets that you're selling, but they, all they worry about is the return it's on the investment? Yep. Um, or is it someone like an you know, investor group again that might be coming and thinking about there's a there's an opportunity to list your business later? 
so they might be coming and buying on the basically on the private market, or it's not even a market. It might be approaching you to buy your business, or seeing you seeing you listing it. They look at it and think, wow, if we could put some resources into this in the next five years, then we might be able to list it on the stock exchange, and get a big payout that way. You've got to think about all these things, and and the valuation end of the day uh, would be different depending on what perspective you're coming from. Uh, for, you know, for example, if I was engaged as a valuer for that investors group that I knew were going to list it we'd be quite willing to pay a bit more than what, you know, say your employee would be willing to pay. So you can ask yourself, what is the business worth? Well, in isolation, it's worth nothing. It's, it's worth different amounts to different people. Yep. So what I'm gonna talk about today, and we can't, you know, you, all I want to say there is there is no one value, okay? So it's all about perception from someone else. We make assumptions when we do valuation. So if I was to write a valuation report, which might be tabled in, you know, a dispute between two directors, like you say. Mm-hmm. You know, so the their agreement might be that if there is a dispute, um, and one person wants to get out, or you know, one person dies and the wife needs to be paid out, there'll be the, there'll be something saying there needs to be a valuation done. Maybe a methodology, but maybe not. Um, and then someone like me would be engaged to come in and do an independent valuation. Yeah. Um, for that, I'd be taking instructions on based on what is the methodology. You know, or the context, and if there's there's no instruction there, I'll be coming back to going well, fair market value on, and you know, a likely buyer. So I'm not necessarily going to take into account a, a massive investment conglomerate that's going to get you and list you. I'm just going to talk about the average, run of the mill buyer that's going to basically buy you for, you know, financial purposes. Yeah, they're going to come in, may maybe in the same industry or not, doesn't really matter. They look at your profitability, and then they're basically buying that profitability. Would that? Would that- for example, if it was like a firm of consultants, uh, you know, I don't know, land and environment type consultants, for example, that um, were, yeah, the directors weren't seeing eye to eye and one of them wanted to buy the other one out to, to make life easy. Yep. Would you take that fair market value? I, I would. I would try to identify whether there actually would be a buyer anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, if, if there's just absolutely no chance that anyone would buy that business based on what assumptions we're using, then we'd, we would probably then go back to value to the owners yep. at the moment. But ideally we're trying to find, you know, is there any kind of market? We're not gonna look at recent sales because recent sales are relevant. Yeah. But we're just looking, you know, and this is where you have to use, you know, your experience. And you, you know, you, you can't get this stuff from a textbook and you certainly don't use benchmarks and things like that. Um, you've got to really look at it logically and go, you know, what was like it happen if it was listed? Okay. Who would be someone that would jump out of the woodwork? All right. Um, you know, and you know, if it was a really technical thing, you might actually go to the point of listing it. Like, if it had to be the right, you know, maybe you know, you can write these agreements however you want. But if you, you and I are directors in a thing, and we wanted absolute certainty, we would actually potentially list it and look for offers. Mm-hmm. Now, there's potentially some legal implications about listing a business that may not yeah. be for sale. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but we would find a way to get opinions of people that actually were cashed up and ready to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's, there's, you know, this is not an exact science. No. I think that's what we're getting over here. So, in terms of, you know, how would the average buyer look at buying the business? They're looking at two things. We've talked about this in a previous podcast. You can go back and have a look. We talked about, you know, the profitability of the business, and there's some adjustments to be made there for sure. Because what you show in your profit and loss is not the true profit, because there's things in there that are artificial or one-off just only to you, there's things in there for tax reasons, all that kind of stuff. We've got to mm-hmm. take all those things out. Maybe you haven't been drawing a wage, but you've been working. Well, you need to be able to show that wage to reduce the profit for that, that personal exertion. So doing all these different things. And then you're looking at effectively what kind of rate of return would a potential buyer need to satisfy themselves 
um, of the risks involved in buying that business. So again, we've talked at length about risk in business uh, in terms of systems. So if you can show someone there's systems in place that's gonna reduce the risk, and if there's less risk, someone will pay more effectively for every dollar of profit yeah. because there's, it's worth more because it's there's, stable. Yeah, there's less chance it's gonna drop. Yeah. And that's the big fear. The big fear is you buy this thing and then sort of a week later it, it disappears into the ether yeah. because the previous owner went went with it so but the good news is there is there is actually an exact science to work that out it's quite easy it's quite easy um you can do it in a basic spreadsheet um you just talk to someone that's sort of done year 10 math should be enough and they'll be able to calculate this for you and all you need to know uh, and should be writing this down every um, cash inflow and every cash outflow for the business between now and infinity and that's all that's all you have to do clive Okay. And that's, that's yeah. a nice, easy, exact science way of doing it. So if you can just sit there and predict between now and infinity, yep. every single cent of income you're going to get from a cash point of view and every single cent of cash outlay between now and infinity, if you can give me those numbers, um, timelined, day by day between now and infinity, and we can have a look at the risk side of it, we can calculate your value. Sounds all too easy, Trevor. Sounds all too easy. <laughs> um, but the problem is, you, can, you know, if you're, if you're valuing a financial asset, um, like a term deposit or a bond or, or a treasury note. You can actually value things that way because you actually do have certainty on the, on the cash flows. If I'm gonna get a term deposit, you know, I might for, put- For the term, yeah. Yeah, for the term. Well, it is a term deposit by definition. Mm. So I put my 100,000 in, um, maybe it's gonna pay 6%. Mm. And that could be paid a number of ways, but you're gonna know in advance. It's either gonna be paid to another bank account or it's gonna be capitalized into the term deposit. Yeah. So the next month's interest is higher again. Yep. Um, but either way, you can you can, you can, it's not even an estimate, you know with certainty what those cash flows yeah, are. That's right. You can work out uh, your required rate of return. And if your required rate of return was the amount of interest, say it was 6%, yep. then, the, then the, the value of that term deposit is 100,000 bucks. So it works both ways. But in a business, unfortunately, I haven't met a business yet that has certainty over the next week's cash flow, that's right. yeah. let alone between now and infinity. Mm. Um, so given that's the only true way to do it, uh, and you might've heard, so we call that the discount um, cash flows method. Discount cash flow, discount cash flows, same thing. And it's also equated to the net present value method. And net present value is just, uh, is exactly the same as discount cash flow method, except that your net present value is uh, working out um, how much, you basically subtract. So if we did a business valuation and it come out on the discount cash flow method, if we had all the data and it said $100,000, if we paid $90,000 for that business, our transaction had a net pro- net present value of 10,000. Because working out what the thing is worth against what we paid and the difference is our actual actual net value after paying for it, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. So discount cash flow is net present value, exactly the same thing, except net present value just actually subtracts what you paid for it. And that's where the discounting part comes from. No. No? Discounting, so discounting comes from the fact that uh, the time value of money. So there's, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a Discounts used a couple of different ways. So this is where the terminology can get a bit complicated yep. because if you um, if you're just reading something and it just says um, discount this number, what does that mean? It, it's got so many different contexts. Um, the main way we when we discount in, in terms of discounted cash flow is we're, we're looking at a dollar tomorrow is worth less than a dollar today. Yeah. So if I if I said to you, Clive, I'm going to give you um, or you're going to give me a hundred dollars. Um, I can either get it today or you can give me that $100 in a year's time. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're just looking primarily without discounting, I'm going to say, well, 
it's the same either way. I'm getting $100. Yep. Clyde's going to lose $100. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get $100. But in effect, I'm losing because if Clive had to give me the $100 earlier, I could have done something with that. Yep. I could have invested it for 12 months. So Clive could give me the $100 now and I could invest it at, say, 10% for a year. Mm-hmm. And I'll, and it's worth, you know, it'll turn into 110 so for Clive to give me the $100 in a year's time, it's worth less than $100 to me. So what I effectively do, I take the 10% that I could earn on the 100 out. And to keep the, keep the numbers simple, it works out about $91. So I'm indifferent between taking um, $91 now or $100 in a year's time. Because yep. I'm saying that $100 in a year's time is only worth $91 now. Because nah. yeah. in theory, to prove it, you give me $91 now, I invest it for a year, it's worth 100 Okay, so that's what discounting is about. It's, it's about the time value of money. Mm-hmm. So the earlier you get money, assuming you're investing it, and you always have to make that assumption because you always can invest it, yeah. um, the more it's worth to you. So if I'm looking at uh, a business and it's making 100000 100000 100000 100000 every year, I'm not just adding them together. No. If I'm working out how much money this thing's going to make, I'm saying in the first year it makes 100000 Okay, if I could have made 10% earnings in that first year, um, somewhere else, that first hundred thousand I'm discounting by ten percent, and then the second year I'm discounting by more than ten percent. Mm-hmm. The third year I'm discounting. So by the time you get to about year, you know, twenty, the hundred thousand dollars might actually be worth about you know ten thousand dollars. Yeah. So it does taper off. Mm-hmm. So so if you've got any kind of mathematical training, you'll know that if you discount towards infinity, eventually the things almost become so small they end up becoming nil. That's right. Yeah. You know, if it's in a thousand years' time, you give me a hundred thousand dollars, and I'm compounding it, and discounting it ten percent every year. Mm-hmm. It's, it's worth probably less than a cent. That's right. It's worth less than a cent. So, because of that, um, not an anomaly, but because of that fact, the way discounting works, you can use a a, um, a rough rule of thumb called um, future maintainable earnings, and that's that's the next logical. Um, step that a value will take. If they can't actually work out every cash flow between now and infinity, we work out a recurring amount. So in that example there, I said 100,000 every year, every year. Yep. and we're going to discount that so eventually mm-hmm. it's worth less than a cent. That's but right. we add up all those $100,000 yeah. and we say we're discounting at 10, 10%. Mm-hmm. The future maintainable earnings method does the exact same thing, but we just assume the 100,000 is the same every year. So bef- bef- we don't have to predict what every year's profit was, is going to be. We're just going to say, on average, it's going to be 100000 And we use that number, and we use a, a slide of hand with, with mathematics, and all we really do is divide that number by the required rate of return. So, for example, if we had $100,000 every year, year on year, and we wanted 10% return, mm-hmm. if you do 100000 divided by 10% or 0.1, yep. all you're really doing is timesing it by 10 so that $100,000 recurring profit is worth $1 million. Mm-hmm. Okay, so to look at that, so if you want a 10% rate of return, $100,000 per year of not guaranteed but likely profit yeah. is going to be worth $1 million for me to pay for that now. So I pay my million dollars and every year on the anniversary, yeah, I effectively get a check back in theory yeah. for $100,000. Yeah. I'm getting 10% return every year. Pay my million. Hundred thousand, hundred thousand, hundred thousand, till eventually, in theory, I can sell my business for a million, mm-hmm. cashed in. So, what you're seeing there, we're basically equating it back to like a term deposit, and that's the thing to remember. This, there's no mysterious uh, anomalies about valuing a business that that break, uh, you know, investment mathematics. Mm-hmm. It is, it's still gonna, it's still gonna be governed by the laws of mathematics, 
and we just use something like the future maintainable earnings method or the capitalization method to basically as a shorthand because we can't estimate every single inflow and outflow we pick one number and we do a slight a bit of a slight of hand with mathematics so just taking taking everyone back to where we were talking about the multiplier yep that's that's where you're saying okay so there's a pretty fair bet that you're going to get the hundred thousand for the next 10 years yep um there's no real risk to that so they would you know that's where you can bring it back to a 10 yep. percent sort of risk if you like yep and get the uh, 10 times multiplier yep. of the, uh, yep. the income. So let's yep. talk about multipliers. So let's just forget about the earnings for a minute and just look mm -hmm. at multipliers. So the way the mathematics works, a 10% required rate of return is a, it's effective. If you look at a fraction, one mm -hmm. on 10 yep. is 10%. Mm -hmm. All you're doing is turning upside down. Mm -hmm. That's all you're doing. Yep. So if you are looking at say a 25% return, which is one in four, Mm -hmm. One fourth or, uh, for American listers and one quarter for Australian listers. If you turn, so 25% required rate of return is one on top of four. Turn that upside down, that's your multiplier. Mm -hmm. So you'd pay four times. So let's just prove that. So uh, it's recurring profit of $100,000 a year again. This person's come in and we've talked about this before, but we'll talk about it again. Someone might want a high rate of return because there's more risk. Mm -hmm. So we've come into this business and we thought it had some systems. That's why we're thinking about valuing at 10% required rate of return. Um, but we've found out they don't have too many systems at all and mm -hmm. it relies on the owner. So we're, we're sitting back going, well, maybe we want a 25% rate of return yeah. because there's other, there's other better investments out there at 10% mm -hmm. to invest in this thing. The way it's looking, I want 25%. So we'll turn that upside down. One on four makes four. Four. Turned upside down. So I'm going to pay $400,000 yeah. for that 100,000 recurring profit. So let's yeah. then look at the proof. Paid $100,000 today. In a year's time, sorry, we paid four hundred thousand dollars today. In a year's time, we get one hundred thousand dollars, which as a percentage, twenty five percent. That's right. One quarter. Yeah. The next year, we're we're still only paid the four hundred thousand once. Mm -hmm. We get another one hundred thousand a quarter. Mm -hmm. Next year, one hundred thousand a quarter. So it holds true. So I've valued businesses anywhere from um, sort of a, a seven percent required rate of return, all the way up to a um, hundred percent. So you might think that's a bit strange, but some... Um, some businesses, you really want money back in that first year. Yeah, so if you look yeah. at that, so if it's a restaurant and it's and it's really based on, maybe they've got a, a really good chef, yeah. and that's all the restaurant's known for, but mm -hmm. the chef doesn't have an employment contract. He's sort of a week-by-week -week proposition, and he won't sign anything. If I'm buying that business, knowing that all I'm really buying for is a chef, um, I'm going to be a, real, a little bit risk-averse. Yeah. So I'm not going to want 10%, 24%, even 50%. I might want 100%. So if that business was generating $100,000 profit year on year, I'm going to pay $100,000 now, which okay. means each year I get a 100% return. Yep. Now, but the good news is if it falls over sort of just after one year, I've got at least got my money back. Yep. And so that's what you're factoring in. If it falls over within the first year, I'm going to lose money. Mm -hmm. If it happens to go for another 10 years and makes that 100000 every year, laughing. absolutely laughing. But at the end of the day, why could you... And so that might sound, well, great, we'll just, let's just look for businesses where we can get 100% return. Um, why can't we do that? Well, you can, but if you think about it, if you're the seller and you've allowed someone to buy it at 100% rate of return, you know, so you've basically sold it at one time as a multiplier of profit. Yeah. Remember, this isn't income, this is profit. So it could be turning over a million dollars in income, making 100,000 profit. We're selling it for $100,000. You'd only be doing that if there wasn't much demand for the business, wouldn't you? That's right. So if you've if you've taken yourself through a due process, um, don't, you know, got your business ready for sale, whatever that might mean to you, and potentially listed it, potentially look for potential buyers, 
uh, a lot of potentials in that, isn't there? Mm-hmm. You go and, but you've, you've actually sought out people that might be likely to buy it, and then you've accepted a 100% rate of return. It's, it's going to be a pretty lousy business. Okay, so by definition, if you want to buy a business that's uh, is going to get you that 100% return, it's going to be a pretty lousy business. So you've got to know something the market doesn't know about that business. But if we go back to what we were talking about before about strategic values... I, I, I guess just on, on that, though, Trevor, there might be some people out there that think, no, it's... it's it, you know, one of those businesses surviving despite itself, but this guy who owns it right now, he's got no idea. I can go in, I can really turn that around. Exactly. Um, so, and there might be a strategic reason. Mm. Maybe in its own right, it's worth not much. Yeah. But it might be the last piece to the buyer's puzzle. Mm. They've and got. I'm, I'm going to buy it for as cheap as I can. Oh. So he doesn't know what I know. He doesn't know that you've got six other businesses. Mm. And this, this seventh business is going to complete your set That's and make right. every other business more profitable. Yeah. Or complete your, maybe you've got some intellectual property rights, some patents mm-hmm. or something, and you can't really enforce them without your patent. Mm-hmm. You know, the buyer's not going to tell you this stuff. Yeah. They're going to look at it and go, your profitability's not great. Mm. Um, this is all I'm paying. You know, I've seen that happen in the property development industry um, where there was a, a protected species on the land. We're talking about a huge block, you know, acres and acres, well, hectares and hectares yeah. um, of land, which was going to be potentially subdivided into thousands of, of mm-hmm. building lots for, yeah, yeah. for houses. And it had a particular protected species. Mm-hmm. Um, so no one wanted to buy that land because they didn't want to have to deal with the uh, regulatory authorities about the, the, that particular species. Yeah. Someone came along that had a bit of um, inside knowledge on, I wouldn't say, you know, nothing illegal, but he knew how to... Um, get those types of things through the regulatory authorities. He'd done it before, mm-hmm. so to him, um, it wasn't such a big. Issue. It wasn't such a big risk. Um, if this particular buyer hadn't come along, that seller wouldn't have got much of that land at all. Because mm-hmm. the buyer came along, um, and you know the buyer really needed that land because he could see such a big upside. You know the seller ended up getting a bit of money for it, and and in that case, it's probably a chance more than anything else. Mm. Okay, so let's let's just go back to the start. What are we looking at here? So we said. If you know, you know, it's all about what the business produces. So it's its income and its expenses. If we know them in absolute certainty, easy days. Calculate, get a discount rate, calculate every cash flow between now and infinity back to today. That's exactly right. Can't be done because we don't have any certainty. So we do a, a shorthand method where we're working out what is the average profitability. Trevor, could, can, uh, can there, any of that certainty be based on history? Is history irrelevant? For certainty purposes, it is. Mm-hmm. For when we look at future maintainable learnings, we definitely look at history. Yeah. Okay. What's this thing produced over time? Adjust out those artificial one-off things, you know, tax-related things, and then going forward, what is it likely to be? So it's a lot of assumptions in there. So if I'm doing a valuation report, I'll embed into that report all the assumptions I've used about the number. What are the sort of things that are taken out when you're looking at these numbers? Uh, yeah. Wages to related people that weren't real. Um, mm-hmm excess expenses for cars um, yeah. that weren't used in the business so it's a runaround for the wife it's not actually used in the business so effectively they're sort of they're legally tax deductible but not really important to the business potentially yeah, yeah. yeah. so what, what happens is that, you know, that all those things aren't going to be borne by the new owner he's not necessarily mm-hmm. going to have those expenses yeah. so to make us at apples and apples mm-hmm. and so that the because if, you, if you're a potential investor you could be looking at two or three businesses you're trying to rip the guts out of all those three businesses you're looking at so you yeah. can compare apples with apples. So you really need to pull those things out. So we call that normalizing, mm-hmm. come back to normal. Yeah. So 
And that's why anyone that pull, comes at you with some kind of methodology that you just multiply your income by a benchmark number, because you know, when, as soon as you start hearing people say, oh, in your industry, your valuation is three times revenue, mm-hmm. or five times profit, or, or whatever. Anyone that does that kind of stuff, they're just either, you know, I won't say stupid, but they're either misinformed or lazy, mm-hmm. or both, because that's not how you value businesses. Um, I know myself, I was on the other end of a deal. I've got a client that was looking at buying a business uh, uh, internally, was an employee. And I said, what's the business worth? And I did a quick back of the envelope calculation, which worked out to be X. She'd been offered by the op lost to you know, a number which was much higher than that, um, which she doesn't want to pay. And she went back and asked the methodology and he said, well, in my industry, you just it's just revenue times one. But that particular business, he had his margins were so low that a big amount of revenue didn't mean a big mm. amount of profit. Yeah, it's often the way. And you don't buy revenue. Mm. No, it's, Rev- all, it's all about profit. <laughs> you got to buy, buy the bottom line. So you yeah. just got to be careful. Don't be lazy. Look at it Look at it like an investment. Take out all the artificial things. Get back to what is a recurring, you know, likely recurring number for your bottom line profit. Take out your interest and depreciation, that kind of stuff. And you, you can see that stuff in the free reports we've got on our, on our on our right-hand side there on the on the website on sellmybusinessintemworks.com. We'll run you through exactly how to do that. I'll show you a valuation report that does it. Um, and then we're working out what is the rate of return you need. You know, we're going to continue over the course of the next few podcasts, talk about how to work out your required rate of return based on your risks, systems, and, you know, keep people res- you know, reliance and all that kind of stuff. Put those numbers together. You've got what the business is worth. In a future podcast, we'll then talk about what do you get with the business. So it's, it's all right to say here's what the core business is worth. Mm-hmm. And I hope today you've got a better understanding about that, what that might be, but do you get stock with it? Do you get trade debtors with it? Do you get the assets with it? What about the loans? Um, and again, there's a lot of misconceptions out there in the marketplace. So I think it'll be a good discussion for next time, Trevor. I think we'll do that next yeah. time. So next week, because we are doing these things weekly, um, indefinitely. So listen in there. We'll, I'll, I'll go through exactly uh, one I've done recently for a client in divorce where we had to value the whole entity and the entity included a business, but also some excess assets and liabilities. And I'll just explain how we come up with a value for the business firstly, and then also a value for the entity as a whole, which is really important because they, they can be two different things. And you don't want to think you're worth X when in reality it's worth Y, um, especially if you're doing calculations in something like a divorce or or a buyout of, a, of an, another owner or, or something like that. So no, that's a lot of stuff to get through in half an hour, but that was just me sort of glossing over the process I go through when I think about value. We will go through in more depth in different parts as we get get further into the podcast. Uh, any questions? I'm sure. Point? I'm sure. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, that's been good, Trevor. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there scratching their heads over a lot of that sort of thing. So yeah, the more more detail, the more examples. I think we can we can offer going forward. Um, but I, I certainly think there's some some good explanation there on yeah the basics at least of, of how it's all come by. Yep. So again, subscribe at sellmybusinessin10weeks.com. You'll get the notifications, the business valuation report, um, Clive's report on the nine clues to turbocharging your systems, and you'll also um, get some special offers if we ever release anything. And if you've got a question about this podcast or any other, just make sure that you go and comment either on the Facebook page send us an email or comment on the post itself on the website. Yep, really look forward to hearing from you. Okay, see you next time. Yep, see you guys. Thanks for listening to the Sell My Business in 10 Weeks.com podcast. And just remember the advice is only general in nature. 
But if you are serious about selling your business, you should check out the resources page of our website where we've got videos and templates to create an awesome pitch document for your business, which you will need if you're selling. And don't forget to subscribe on our website for advanced notification and bonus materials.